0: this experiment could unleash chaos the likes of which we have never seen monsters demons beasts from the sea to
1: clarify you believe their efforts to solve the energy crisis might unleash
0: demons yeah oh yeah
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 486 with our review of The Cloverfield Paradox. I am Christopher Schnasey.
0: And I'm Stephen Miller.
1: And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. Uh, Not a lot of things. Well, so first of all, (laughs) in the last episode that we published, I was in the middle of getting extremely sick. I passed that <laughs> on to Steven yep. while we were recording for three hours locked in a room together. And he was incredibly sick. Yeah. So we have not gotten to see anything, any theatrical releases for a while. Um, our plan this week was to sit down and review all of the Oscar-nominated uh, documentary films from last year. Um, and we're still going to do that. Uh, but something, something crazy happened yesterday during the Super Bowl. And that is Netflix dropped the surprise trailer for, a tie dad. <laughs> yeah, tie-dad. Uh, but they dropped they dropped the surprise trailer for the Cloverfield Paradox, the latest film in the Cloververse, and uh, it said coming very soon. And it turns out that very soon was directly following the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, as good podcasters, we decided that we have to uh, run in <laughs> see this, see this thing on Netflix. And then come back and give you guys a review before we get to our filler episode of reviewing documentary films. Um, so we are here. We're going to talk about this.
0: Wait, was this not a documentary?
1: <laughs> not yet, Stephen. Not mm-hmm. yet. Um, but yeah, so why don't we do the thing that we often do uh, when we're about to talk about the latest film in a series and uh, talk about our history and our feelings towards the previous Clover Cloververse films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so start us off, Stephen.
0: Yeah, I am um, I don't really remember how I felt when the original Cloverfield came out. I definitely saw it in theaters. I enjoyed the gimmick of it. I wasn't yet attuned to watching movies and wanting to have an opinion on them. I think I was still in a phase of my life where a movie was just like, Yeah, I saw it. Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> movies are thing.
0: So I like and I've never revisited the original Cloverfield, so I don't I don't know from a standpoint of being a film lover how that holds up what was new what was not new uh, but what i remember it imparted on me was the ability for special effects to remain what felt at the time incredibly realistic even as the camera felt handheld and that was a that was a combination that i'd never felt before to my knowledge that was a thing that felt new to me and that was very exciting um Fast forward to 10 Cloverfield Lane. I forget what it was codenamed before we found out that was the name of that movie. (laughs) Uh, I thought that was a great movie, like a good pressure cooker film. Uh, The more I think about it, the more I want to go back and rewatch it. So, so far, they're like at least 1.8 for two for me. Like I (laughs) I have fond memories of the original, really good memories of 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I'm into it. I don't think anything needs to tie this universe together. I don't, I don't fully understand the desire to mesh these things that don't feel like they need to be meshed. But so far, the entries are good. And if it's an excuse for more sci-fi to be made, then that, that sounds great to me.
1: Um, so for me, uh, I love Cloverfield. <laughs> the first Cloverfield, uh, I tried to go back and look, and it was an old enough recap episode that it doesn't currently exist on our site. But I had Cloverfield... Among my top films of the year it came out. It may have even been number one. I tried to verify that. I'm actually going to give it to Cloverfield. Really? I loved Cloverfield. No. I, I cannot tell you how much I loved Cloverfield. I honestly thought Cloverfield was amazing. Okay. Just the, the whole feel of what it was doing... And how it really worked on the relationships between the people. And I don't know, something about that movie just blew me away. I wasn't going to go to the server and pull Wait, down the file. Wait, what year did it come out? Uh, I, I don't remember, but uh, it was longer than four or five years ago, which I think is how many recap episodes we currently have on the 2008. site. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. All right. So it's been almost ten years. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I love that film. It is the thing that launched my obsession with found footage films. It's still the best one out there. Um, I, I like. I thought Cloverfield was incredible. Um, everything from the the emotional journeys of the characters in the film to just like the spectacle of what it turned out to be. Um, when it came time for 10 Cloverfield Lane, obviously I was excited. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not just because there was another Cloverfield film. But Mary Elizabeth
0: Winstead was the star.
1: <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in there, but... The real thing was that Dan Trachtenberg, mm-hmm. somebody who I, who I had been following for a long time, like this was his his big like feature uh, directorial debut, and uh, yeah, I, I I very much enjoyed Ten Cloverfield Lane, uh, just as you did. I think it was an exciting film. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about whether or not that film originally existed in the Cloverfield universe. Um, as we arrive here at uh, the. Um, the Cloverfield paradox we know like without a doubt this was not originally conceived of as a Cloverfield film Mm -hmm. but it was sort of shoehorned into becoming part of the Cloververse Mm -hmm. um I I'm a big fan of the the idea of the Cloververse and I support more films being shoehorned in I mean obviously I would love for films to be originally written to be part of this verse but I'm I'm excited for this coming forth um as soon as this trailer hit during the Super Bowl I was like this is, I, it was worth watching all this sporty ball. Like, this is what it all came down to. I started Finally,
0: like, <laughs> something for me.
1: Uh, but no, I, I, I like, needless to say, I was very excited.
0: Now, what if I told you that the Eagles versus Patriots game was a part of the Cloverfield universe?
1: <laughs> then I would say, well, <laughs> good for the Eagles or <laughs> whoever won. <laughs> and Tom Brady was the monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it was just one of those things where, like, that, like regardless of how this film turned out, like I, I had heard that Cloverfield uh, or whatever the new Cloverfield film was going to be finally titled. I heard that it was it was potentially coming to Netflix like about a week ago. They started mm-hmm. talking about that. But nobody nobody knew that it was surprise dropping during the Super Bowl. Um, so
0: which like <clears throat> props to Netflix for being able to keep that a secret. Like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm always amazed when anything remains a secret to that degree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it was really just awesome the way they did it because like it was like here's your here's your teaser by the way coming very soon it was like what does very soon mean like how like what are you just going to mean coming very soon and then just i launched the netflix uh, app on my ipad and boom there it was full header image starts as soon as the game's over it, it, it was just it was it was a pretty exciting few moments um and now i think i think it's time we talk about it right mhm i think so all right so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for the cloverfield paradox and we're going to come back and give you a review
0: possible earthquake here at the
1: statue of liberty
0: looks like you should have left town a little bit earlier oh ah! whatever you're doing Stop.
1: All right, so there it was. That was the trailer for the Cloverfield Paradox. Um, obviously, this is the third film in the Cloververse. Uh, the The basic story is that the Earth is in the middle of an energy crisis, a really, really bad energy crisis, and things are getting like beyond uh, the ability for the planet to survive. Um, worlds sort of on the brink of war over this energy crisis and a group of astronauts from various countries around the world are on board the Cloverfield space station with a like even larger, <laughs> large hydrogen <laughs> glider, um, which is called the shepherd um, or the shepherd. And basically they have this plan. If they can get this thing running, it will basically generate unlimited amounts of energy and the world will be saved. Um, unfortunately, something goes wrong. And uh, crazy sci-fi stuff ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the type of film that we will probably have to get into spoilers pretty quickly to discuss. But we are going to do what we always do. Start off, talk a little bit about our thoughts on the film um, before we get into those full-blown spoiler spoilers. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Steven, start us off. What did you think of the Cloverfield Paradox?
0: So here's the problem in (laughs) reviewing The Cloverfield Paradox. (laughs) By the time I got to watching this film, which was not last (laughs) night, the weekend when we crammed five documentaries, um, I I squeezed this movie throughout my day, including the morning on this Monday uh, that we're recording. And by then, the word about Cloverfield Paradox was not only did you see Netflix's incredibly bold advertising move, it was also by the way, the movie is not good like, <laughs> That was my introduction to the movie um, was
1: can can I, can I stop you, Steven? Mm-hmm. If you know anything about quantum entanglement, you know that this movie is both amazing and terrible.
0: Yeah, uh, well, if, if I know anything about quantum mechanic, uh, quantum entanglement, I know that if I watch this movie a second time it 'll be really good. <laughs> um, so anyway, like many people were primed for crazy bad robot is doing a new cloverfield movie and we get to watch it tonight we are so excited positive high and i was primed for the opposite of oh no this is (laughs) this is a movie that will not live up to expectations and i think being primed in that light made me be slightly more positive than one would be if they were primed for an amazing movie i mean the, the movie is a hot mess (laughs) in parts this is a film that is clearly stapling multiple movie plots together um i mean this movie is basically alien but it's also a movie about it it's like almost like a i I don't even i don't don't even know it's like a it's like cloverfield in that (laughs) monsters are involved at some point point. It's also kind of like and, and discovery you didn't, you didn't or life see, or something like. it's a yeah, movie about people. Did you end up people. seeing Life? No, I never okay. saw Life. But this this seems a lot like that too. Like this is a movie about people in space, and it it tries to do so many different things. It is like within the first twenty minutes of the movie, we get a crew who are heroically put together from various countries, including a whole lot of Mandarin, which I assume means that like hua productions or whatever whole was involved a whole lot of financing game. yeah somebody was financing in china that made them steal this idea from firefly that people are speaking chinese half the time um so there's like this international crew come together to solve an energy crisis like the wonderful geostorm of last year that we <laughs> that we all loved so much it becomes what i think is a very very potentially interesting genre flick concept which is what do you do when you are literally lost in space, right? Like that—that that is an interesting. Danger will
1: Robinson danger. Exactly,
0: yeah, and uh, you know, you have the lost in space vibes. Like this is a question of, wow, what are they going to do now? This seems like a an unsolvable problem, like an in Dan tractable problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that is the dumbest joke. I know it, it's terrible, um, but but anyway, like like there are all these different things, and then. It's hard to talk about without going into spoilers, but it quickly becomes clear that there are no rules in this film. There is nothing that... There's no hard sci-fi that defines why things are the way they are, why the world behaves the way it behaves. Uh, Chris O'Dowd says at one point, like, I don't know what the rules are anymore. And (laughs) he's basically talking about the movie. Like, there there are just many things where anyone with a Chris brain would, like... (laughs) have absolutely no way to reconcile why all the things that are happening are happening. Um, The redeeming factor of this film is I think the actors are very good for the most part. I think people are bringing their all to the roles. You can believe most of the characters. Uh, Chris O'Dowd, I think, is a standout. He's just like a a big fun voice that reminds you that you're watching a goofy genre film every time it threatens to take itself too seriously. But like David Oyella was good. Uh, Daniel Bruhl. I always like seeing him in things. Uh, a lot of new faces I hadn't seen before. Like I'm not going to pronounce Gugu Mbatha, raw, the the lead Hamilton, uh, the woman who is at the center of this film, but the, the actors are taking it very seriously. Like they're doing their best with the material they have to make it fun and dramatic at the same time. And I will say this film plays best as a horror movie, I think. Uh, The way I felt watching this film was tentatively awaiting the next jump scare that was going to happen, and for a while, those are every three to four minutes as you're exploring this new reality that they live in. Um, I think that is the best way the movie can be experienced, and I think it's to that degree it was fun like there was a good stretch of maybe 30 minutes where the movie was a pretty pretty fun thing it was just kind of a lesser alien but like that's still fun to watch um but i don't know it just didn't amount to much right like it's a very made for streaming b movie feeling i i can't imagine a theatrical release for this film going well but it was free for me i was like (laughs) i had an okay time I enjoy what Netflix did with the marketing of this movie. I think they made it make a whole lot bigger splash than it would have had it just come to theaters and been a little bit of a dud. But yeah, yeah, you
1: you have to like Super Bowl commercials are expensive, Mm -hmm. but so is like a normal movie campaign. Mm -hmm. And this guaranteed that that ad was watched by like, I I don't know how many people watch Super Bowl. I assume it's a lot. But it was like they're like, guys, what if we just took. This money that we're going to use to do like an ad campaign that wasn't going to work. And we just dropped it all right here in the middle of the Super Bowl. And then said like, there you go, remote drop. Yeah. (laughs) Go on Netflix as soon as the game's over. You're already there. Like, I'm I'm sure lots of people were going to go watch This Is Us because the house was on fire. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about that show. Seemed pretty dramatic.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, A lot more is on fire in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I give props to that. It's fun having an event movie, right? Like a thing that so many people watched at the same time. Yeah. That's always an entertaining concept. Um, My only regret about that format is piling onto that hype. There was a lot of talk of how wonderful this was because it's a film that features a diverse cast and – like it, it is directed by a person of color, and Ava DuVernay was tweeting about it, and Jordan Peele was tweeting about it, and there was a lot of like, cannot wait for this movie. David Oyelowo is starring in it all, and this is not a prestige film at all. Like this, yeah. this is not a film that I believe will survive that kind of hype, unless the hype was just that, like a grand cultural experience was happening, right? I don't, I don't think in movie making terms this is, like, a particularly great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, th- this is not the film that lives up to all those types of tweets. Um, I mean, honestly, it's probably not a film that lives up to much of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but all that to be said, I had fun with this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, when that trailer hit, I was like... Fuck yes! Yeah, I am watching this as like literally. Chris it was, <laughs> texted
0: me immediately. That's the only reason I knew the Cloverfield movie had come out.
1: I literally said like, I guess it was worth watching the Super Bowl. Boom! We watching this tonight. We have to do an extra episode. Yep. Um, and so, here, so here's the thing. So so we we know that uh, this is originally a film that was called The God Particle. It originally had nothing to do with Cloverfield, um, and it was shoehorned in via reshoots and rewriting and whatever. Um, And I think that this film is a – this is an interesting film that is honestly weakened by being shoehorned into the Cloverfield universe. Like, I think this is like – this is no Sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Sunshine is still one of my favorite Earth is doomed, send people on a spaceship somewhere to try and fix it by a plan that probably won't work out and these people are probably going to die. Like, that genre of, like – the world is dying while this one humanity's last saviors are like on this ship going away. Like, Sunshine is an amazing version of that. Like, I love that film. So much of this film feels Do like. Do you it.
0: even Armageddon, bro?
1: <laughs> I mean, Armageddon can't hold like a asteroid to <laughs> to Sunshine, um, but. So, like, I didn't expect this to be able to live up to that. All I wanted was a kind of fun space film that exists in the Cloverfield universe. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I, th- I think that that attempt to exist is, is where the film kind of falls apart. I mean, when Cloverfield happens, uh, the, the, the planet isn't in an energy crisis any more than it is today. Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say that it isn't in an energy crisis, but just that, like, we're, we're not all, like, worried about getting gas at the pump tomorrow because, like, we're out of gas. <laughs> I'm
0: worried about getting gas after the taco <laughs> truck we visited tonight. <laughs>
1: Anyways, um, so so it's like, clearly, that doesn't make sense, right? Because even if this event happening in space causes the Cloverfield event to take place, um, which is what we have to assume is what's going to happen in this mm-hmm. film the place that we start off is not the clover field that we saw back in the day. Mm-hmm. So you have like, so, it, so it goes like, okay, well I see how you're trying to make it work. There are things that connected, you know, you have a news broadcast where a guy's literally saying like, Oh, if this freaking thing fires.
0: It could, do all sorts of shit, including create giant monsters. It could unleash chaos. <laughs> monsters, demons, beasts from the sea. Yeah, like it, like it's basically like really
1: on the nose, science, like crazy scientist guy, like the equivalent yeah. of, Alex of, Jones of the or crop, something. crop duster guy from Independence Day is, is just on, on the TV, like explaining it like, oh, shit guys, if they fire the Large Hadron Collider, it could make Cloverfield happen. Like, that's basically what a character yells. And the problem is that it can't make our Cloverfield happen in the context of what we're seeing unless you're dealing with, like, something in sci-fi films that may allow it. But the problem is that what this film does is go, like, well, I mean, there's so many eventualities that, like, somewhere Cloverfield probably happened after this event, right? Yeah. And, and so it's it's... On the one hand, I appreciate the audacity of like making a film where like fucking anything can happen <laughs> and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like I, I was I was uh, perusing through the the Cloververse subreddit today and like people like were making jokes about how this is a prequel to Pacific Rim and like yeah. all these different things and it's like yeah like literally anything like we were we were joking about the Tide ads <laughs> where like mm-hmm. that one commercial literally ends with like. Wait, can every Super Bowl ad be a Tide ad? And, like, this establishes that, like, literally anything is possible now. Yeah, anything can be a Cloverfield movie. To to quote (laughs) um, Blade Runner 2049, this breaks the universe, (laughs) or this breaks the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, um, So, essentially, like, anything is fair game. And I kind of appreciate that on some level. But Doesn't
0: that get exhausting, though?
1: (laughs) Appreciating it on some level?
0: No, having a film where there are no rules so whatever happens could not have been predicted and will not pay off in a reasonable way
1: so w- what it allows us is so i mean i mean shared universes are like a thing that are like defining the, like the end of last year, this year, and moving forward in film, right? It's like everybody wants a shared universe. Everything has to be part of something. This can let things that are not even remotely the same genre exist in the shared universe with really vague connections. And it's like, so, so Cloverfield 4, which they're already talking about, is essentially some like World War II Nazi experiment movie, right? Yeah. And it's like fucking ridiculous. But it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> like I'm excited for Overlord or whatever it's called. Like, which people on in the Cloververse subreddit are already joking that that's basically just uh Wolfenstein. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's like the Cloverfield original event caused.
0: I think Daniel Bruhl was in cahoots Wolfen- <laughs> Wolfenstein in this movie. Probably,
1: uh, at least one version of him. Mm. Ah, dare I say too much? Ugh. um
0: <laughs> I'm really glad that they painted such a two-dimensional character.
1: <laughs> Subtle, <laughs> um. But yeah, I I I think that the attempts to connect to everything is ridiculous. But I kind of like I, it made me smile. Like mm-hmm. I kind of had fun with it. It's kind of like the uh, the end of of the latest Godzilla film, where like they go into that room and or no, sorry, was it? It was Kong Skull Island, right? Where at the end of Kong Skull Island, like the post-credit scene is like a bunch of people in a room going like, hey, by the way, there's like a bunch of other fucking monsters. So oh, oh, right. I, get I was ready for say other say movies.
0: This, this attempt to connect all the Cloverfield films feels a lot like the extended monster universe that apparently is happening. It yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, make yeah. a lick of sense.
1: Exactly. So like when, when I saw that post-credit sequence, I was just like, fuck yeah, I am want to watch this yeah. shit. So it's like I'm, I'm excited for where it's going. All that being said, there's a lot of dumb shit in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah. Dump shit. Mostly, mostly like, dumb shit.
1: Like, first of all, I don't think that a gyroscope is the one thing that prevents you from understanding where you are in space. Mm-hmm. It might help you with orientation, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that you, if stars are there, you can identify them. Yeah. You don't need a gyroscope to go like, oh, fucking, there's the Big Dipper or whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, we'll get to it in spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there just things in this film that don't make sense, and if you Listeners say this movie's bad. I have no defense for that. All I can say is I had fun with this stupid movie and I'm excited for these, the series to, to progress. Mm -hmm. I want them to start writing these films from scratch instead of just like going through the, like the rejected scripts and going like, Hey, this one could be Cloverfield. (laughs) Um, Because that can only
0: work so many times. I heard the sequel to call me by your name is a Cloverfield movie.
1: Yeah, it's uh, that that apricot.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> it grows sentence. into an my- orange Timothy Chalamet.
1: Which, by the way, South Park already did it.
0: <laughs> no, the real sequel is James and the Giant Peach.
1: <laughs> nice. But yeah, so th- th- this film is ridiculous. But wrapped in its ridiculousness is like... A- a genuinely interesting story mm-hmm. um which we will get to in spoilers yeah. um like there I, are some
0: interesting moral quandaries yeah like by i the I, movie.
1: I think um i think that if this film didn't exist in the cloverfield universe and it didn't it wasn't padded with a bunch of these things trying to reference those films this might have been a halfway decent film mm. it might not have made my top 10 list by the end of the year uh, surely wouldn't have but it would have been a film that i was like yeah like i i, I enjoy that like I enjoyed life Mm -hmm. (laughs) it wasn't the best movie ever made but i had fun with it and i think that this film is it's genuinely interesting like the the actual plot not like the references that it has is is compelling um and i like it for what it tried to do both on the cloverfield side and on like the genuine plot side Mm -hmm. and i think that it yeah i i'm Maybe it just gets the Netflix bump the way Bright did. <laughs> mm. If I saw Bright in theaters, I would have been like, fuck that movie. I watched it on Netflix, and I was like, you know what? It's fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny is people are kind of trashing Netflix original movies now after Bright and the Cloverfield Paradox. But two Netflix originals made my top 10 list last year, yeah. and one or two made Carson's top 10, too. Yeah. So, like, Netflix is doing something right. And, and- –
1: of the Oscar-nominated documentaries that we're about to talk about in our next episode, mm-hmm. two of them are Netflix originals, and one of them's just on Netflix. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so can't be all bad. Yeah, no, they they know what they're doing, and I think I think even if this film, once the critical reviews stabilize, like I think when I checked, there were only twenty five or something that had come in yet. Even if it remains critically panned. Netflix should regret nothing, right? Like, they got a lot of people oh, yeah. to watch Netflix. That's what they want. They're in the cultural conversation. They had a funny tweet to David Ehrlich. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't that. see it. He, he tweeted something in all caps. Like, uh, he he said, like, don't say coming soon. Tell me, is it coming out fucking right now? And they tweeted in all caps, it's coming out fucking right now. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Which was great. Good that on is- the Netflix social media marketer. That
1: That's amazing. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Netflix is doing this right. Uh, it's doing well, but...
1: Yeah. Well, we can so, talk...
0: There are lots of problems with this movie.
1: So here, here's the question. <clears throat> First, the statement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Netflix will never release numbers. They don't do that. They don't have to. They never will. There's nothing... They're not beholden to anybody to say, like, well, this many subscribers happened during the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? We'll never know <laughs> what it did. But of the people that I asked did you watch Cloverfield? All of them said yes. Yeah. I only asked three people. Three people's enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like 100% of the three people that I asked were like, fuck yeah, I watched that movie. Like, why would I not watch this movie? Like, Yeah, it came Chris out. isn't in a demographic <clears throat> at all. <laughs> but, but all these people were already Netflix subscribers. Mm-hmm. Sure. So <clears throat> Netflix has the numbers of how many people watched this directly following the Super Bowl. It wasn't competing against the Super Bowl because people could watch it immediately. It was competing against all the Building on Fire, This Is Us, uh, Things so whoever yeah. watches This Is Us probably didn't watch this at least not until This Is Us is over. Yeah, but like it's hard to tell whether anybody subscribed to Netflix because of that ad um, and what those people thought about. Uh, about, about their experience watching the film.
0: Well, 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 so that's the question, is net? And I know people tune in to learn about Netflix's business model, but it seems <laughs> From people to, who
1: don't know what it is, <laughs> they
0: have they seem to have an incentive not only to have subscribers, but to get people to hit more things. Yeah, because like that—that's why autoplay is what it is. It's why it cuts the credits and jumps straight to the next one. Is to keep people on Netflix more. I don't know why. I don't know if content creators pay to have their thing on netflix or if there's some revenue share thing there that makes them just want to have more people in spending hours in netflix but that seems to be their goal here i can't imagine that many people subscribe to watch this new movie but maybe maybe they did
1: like i i feel like it's very little Mm -hmm. i mean
0: i mean who doesn't have netflix (laughs) i know exactly right it's like a thing that just you
1: have to have yeah um yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was going with it. I just, I, I, it, it's, it's a weird world <laughs> in which, like, it would be one thing if like Apple was like, boom, this is our first like official movie that we produced. Here it is, get it for five ninety nine directly following the Super Bowl, like that kind of thing. It's like there would be a direct monetary gain coming from the amount of people who tried to watch it directly following mm-hmm. the the Super Bowl. But with Netflix, it's like, I bet you a huge portion of their subscribers who also like sci-fi movies probably watched it. Um, But I don't know. It's hard to see the one-to-one connection between the results of this plan um, and... Because... With a show, if they were gonna like, and that's the, that's the problem—you can't even compare it to a show that they might have released directly following the Super Bowl because they would have released all the fucking episodes at once, mm-hmm. and then people would have just binged it for like a day and then be done with it, right? Yeah. So it's weird with with a film that's just hour and a half or whatever it was, what that does for their numbers, other than saying like, "Hey, we spent one point two million dollars on this Super Bowl ad, and all the subscribers we already had watched this movie <laughs> the yeah. day that it came out." Um, I don't know. Though
0: we we I mean, have no idea. Right. If the deals they get with other film studios hinge on what kind of daily active whatevers they can show. Right. So yeah. th- there might be a whole lot of other reasons that we don't have any idea about.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're just, you know, wild speculation time. Like, don't know what, what we're talking about. But yeah. I don't just, know the rules. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, it is. It is very, very interesting. Um Yeah, I don't know. I I think I think uh, to really, really talk about this film, we should probably get into spoilers. Yeah. Um, So before we do that, let's go ahead and give a verdict for anybody who doesn't want to stick around for our spoilers and then close out the show normally Mm -hmm. and then come back for spoilers. So, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must see, I reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass the caveat, excuse me, (laughs) a must avoid. What would you give it?
0: My real rating is a bath with two twins in a tub of Rocky Road.
1: <laughs> but that was in the, an amazing in,
0: line. But in the absence of that option, I'm going to give this a wait for rental. I And that is like a little generous. Like if this were in theaters and I had been waiting for it and anticipating it, it'd probably be a pass for the caveat, right? Like that, this is a silly b-movie it's a genre e-movie it has lots of goofy lines lots of very silly sci-fi tropes and very little holding it together but i had fun with it and like judging it in the context of what it was which was a sudden netflix release that everyone got to watch that nobody thought they were going to be watching yesterday morning it was it was fun it, it's fine i i think if you go in expecting a fun kind of horror-y cheap thrill movie you're gonna have a good time if you go in expecting grand sci-fi that answers questions about the Cloverfield universe, like first of all, why? <laughs> why do you have questions about the Cloverfield universe? Second, you will not be you will not be happy with it.
1: Yeah. So we we've talked multiple times about how uh, problematic our rating system is for episodes. Uh, like you said, quality-wise, maybe this film would normally be a wait for rental. Problem is. You can go watch this movie right and now by streaming it. So this is a must stream.
0: <laughs> this is a must stream, stream film. Right up there with predestination.
1: <laughs> uh, first of all, predestination is great. Second of all, it, I mean, j- just just watch this film. It'll take an hour and a half of your life. Uh, you'll probably hate some of it, um, but it's an interesting thing. Uh, the Cloverville, the the Cloververse is not going away. Um, so why stop now mm-hmm. <laughs> um i mean it 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 should be noted this is the, the the third best or first worst <laughs> cloverfield film mm-hmm. but just watch it it's fine it's not going to kill you it's literally not going to kill yeah, you it,
0: it except for the conversations people are having about it leading up to its release Nothing about this film takes me tells me that anyone is taking it too seriously. Yeah, and that is fine. If you're all in this pack together, that we're not going to take this too seriously. Just be like Chris O'Dowd, just like <laughs> wisecrack and enjoy it. Right? It, yeah, it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, that is the non-spoilery section of a review for the Cloverfield Paradox. Stephen Miller. If people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: Uh, You can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com
1: people can find me at Christopher in real life.com or twitter.com slash Christopher IRL. You can find the podcast over at the spoiler warning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning or like us at facebook.com slash the spoiler warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spoiler warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will likely come from the soundtrack. If it's available for this film that literally dropped last night, um, there's definitely a score for this film. Hmm. Um, I just don't know if it's available the score anywhere. Score
0: is C+. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice, um, but yeah, that is that is that that is our, our our spoiler-free review. Whatever music is playing right now is going to fade up. Might hear a weird Cloverfield scream mm-hmm. or a Clover scream as people in the Cloververse thread would would refer to the monster in a way that I hate. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna play. And then when that fades back out, we'll be in full blown spoilers. So, damn it, if you haven't seen the film yet, go stream it and come back and join our spoiler talk. Here we are, this is the after part of our review of the Cloverfield Paradox. Mm-hmm. We are now talking full blown spoilers for this film. Let's briefly hit the interesting plot beats. Um
0: by interesting do we mean positive? What's the difference? or just noteworthy? <laughs> Like, noteworthily mm. bad, or things that actually provoked intrigue on a sci-fi level?
1: So, so those might not be the same for both of us. <laughs> so, I don't sure. want to say which one it is, because I will divulge that information. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Fuck it. I, I, liked, um, I liked the idea of <laughs> the friggin' Hadron hey Glider the shepherd, overloading warping them somewhere else to another dimension. Sure. Um, them arriving in a place where they also existed and them dealing with both the ramifications of that and the fact that they now know of the existence of this other version of them who's in a worse shape than they are mm-hmm. and sort of having to deal with not maybe the ethics, but like having to deal with the weight of their decisions to want to warp back right. to their present time and with the people that they encounter yeah. from the ship that didn't survive like they did, who was potentially fucked by them arriving right. in their dimension, like that that whole scenario was really compelling yeah. to me. No, like, no, I, I agree. I think that yeah.
0: ethical concept of people in a multiverse, to what to what degree must your empathy extend to other people? Where do you draw the line, right? Where do you stop yeah. it? And it It's an interesting thought experiment because they wound up in one multiverse, but presumably the theory would say that there are infinite multiverses there's infinite like versions yeah. of them, and that can't scale. you can't care about all of them right you can't yeah. save all of them yeah, but because you have made eye contact with this one because you've met them, what do you owe this person? what don't you owe this person that that's all interesting i like I like yeah, that yeah. idea a lot,
1: but it like but it's not just like. On the one hand, maybe you can wash it away by saying, well, like, there's fucking a million universes, so who cares about this one? Mm -hmm. But your entry into this one, potentially, like, no one knows exactly what happened. You Uh just arrived at a place, the other version of your ship has now crashed in the water on Earth, Mm -hmm. and you are like, probably not our fault, (laughs) right? I mean, like, no one knows, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but... People who are alive, who are versions of theoretically you, like obviously the the woman who appears from the other vessel wasn't a part of their original crew. So they're dealing with the fact that it's like, well, we don't know you. You're not technically part of our crew. But like you can look at look at her as a mirror to them like that is a person who lived through an event and now sees somebody there who is problematic for their existence. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's easy to um, understand. Like so. In the film Sunshine, which I want to try not to be too spoilery about, but I'll just make a slight comment about, like, there are characters who don't like what is happening. And their motivation is a huge complaint for some people who watch the film Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Didn't bother me too much, the stuff that happened at the end. I was kind of fine with it. But characters' motivations seem to be governed by some weird ethereal understanding of our position in the universe and some mm-hmm. bullshit, right? Like some... One character just like oh I, well I think that fucking the sun is whatever right <laughs> like we just take for granted we have to take for granted that this character believes whatever he believes and he's going to do this thing in this film we know <laughs> like this is a woman who's the only survivor of her crew her fucking entire planet is doomed she has that line where she's like oh kill three people or fucking save eight eight billion people yeah, yeah easy equation like i have no qualms shooting all of you like i i I really like that aspect of this film
0: sure that that concept makes sense though she paints a false dichotomy as hamilton shows at the (laughs) end how easily resolvable this problem is just with like a little video transmission (laughs) um she also her method. Well,
1: her, of, the the video transmission she's sending is specifically to herself, saying, "Don't put that power cell in the house." Because
0: no, and here is the information on how you can rebuild a functioning version version of the shepherd. Yeah, but a, a, as condensation, bro.
1: But as the character, I, I don't remember the the woman's name who the the, the gold chick from Guardians of the Galaxy. 2. Yeah, yeah, um, it starts with a J. I don't remember. Um, that. Her character though is like you know very well that we don't have the resources to rebuild the ship in time to actually save the planet. Mm. So, like, yes, she's going like, hey, we're just going to warp out of here, brah, but uh, here's some plans to build your own ship. Uh, Good luck. Peace out. Right? Like, like, there is an understanding that, like, this isn't good enough. I need Mm -hmm. your ship. Mm -hmm. Like, she could very much make the argument, like, we were worse off than you are in your time, so why don't you give me the ship and we'll warp back your life pods and then you can build a new ship in your world because the worst thing you were going for was going through was pumps people in lines at the gas station. Right. Mm-hmm. On my planet, fucking people are invading each other. Like, like they're, they're clearly worse off. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like straight up the, the end of uh, a rival. Right. <laughs> we yeah. like entire governments are like, you know, we're just going to wipe out these people because freaking they might have figured out Mahjong better than us. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Right? More more parallels to Arrival, in fact. <laughs> like, the, the prevalence of children who have passed away who are making you want to change the fabric of space-time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think, too, like, uh, another film that does something better than this film does. but Like, one of my favorite films of a few years back was Another Earth. And it's a very different story, but in, in that film, another Earth appears in our, our solar system, mm-hmm. literally on the other side of the, of the sun, just like this, this whole thing happened. Um, but in that story... Uh, Our main character, uh, Britt Marling, has uh, basically uh, killed uh, members of a family while driving drunk. And one of the themes of the film is her wondering if the her on that other planet made the same mistakes as as her. Mm. Right. And that's like a major theme of the film is her wondering this. Um, And I think that this film has an aspect of that, but it does it in such a weird way where it's like she's like, oh, my family's not dead here. Maybe I'll just fly down and be second, mommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: like,
1: there's... You can almost have a whole separate movie about the this The failure woman. of that plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, like, how that plan degrades. And, and also, like, is there a chance that that would divulge into a scenario where she would be trying to take out the other mother? Like, there's lots of... Uh, like, there's a lot... This film itself could be a shared universe going forward if it wasn't tied to
0: Cloverfield already. Right. So the thing though is I feel like I should preface I've never been in a situation of being in another dimension where I know <laughs> I know a version of my children.
1: I find myself in the darkest timeline all the time. Yeah, so. I know. I know.
0: I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but with that said, I felt like the way characters in this film treat the existence of some alternate dimension, it it seems very shallow. It doesn't seem to me the way people would actually behave in this revelation, partly because they seem so bizarrely shocked by (laughs) what are obvious logical ramifications of things they've learned already. Like she realizes there's another version of her family down there. And Daniel Brühl never seems to realize that there's another version of the woman that he lost down on earth because she wasn't a member of this fleet already. But, but like, that's another example where people are kind of,
1: but, but he, he is the character who has the line when Hamilton is talking about going down to the planet. He's like, that's not your family. That's her. Fa-. Like yeah. he yeah. seems to, he, he's the scientist. In yeah. The he bunch. understands. <laughs> he he seems to understand the ramifications of our existence on a plane that yeah. we don't belong. And he's sort of like, it, it's, it's, it's not that he doesn't realize it. It's that it almost doesn't occur to him that that would be okay to care about um which the thing it- is the
0: film seems to set that up because there there's some line uh, right after she she dies that goes like someone's like well now we have enough to get back and someone's like we can't go back without tam and it's like <laughs> she's dead like either you're either you're hinting that we're going to go to earth and find new Tam and bring her with us <laughs> or this is just like a line that didn't properly get cut from the movie <laughs> um, but but anyway uh Hamilton the main the main female character her relation with her family and the drive she feels to protect them m- maybe one would feel that just emotionally because you want this is a chance to quote undo the mistake that you've made before but I feel the degree to which she doesn't seem to realize that it is not her family is, like, hard to swallow. I, I feel like her view of this is very kind of simplistic and yeah. strange.
1: Well, I think we'll be in, reconnecting it to another space drama. Um, If you look at Gravity, mm-hmm. right? Like, Sandra Bullock's character in Gravity, like, she only took the mission because she's literally trying to fucking escape her life yeah. <laughs> back on Earth. And that journey that she goes through is governed a lot by the worth that she feels for the events that have happened in her life and how she feels about herself. Right. Like Mm -hmm. whether or not she's ready to give up what she's willing to fight for. Like -hmm. that's all dependent on the life that she has lived. So in that film, it's much stronger than in here, but it's like, there is still a sense of understanding the drive of the character. And like, Mm -hmm. she's definitely blinded by, by her desires to, to try to get back to the family and just see them again. But it's clear that, like, her and her husband back home have not been in the best situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, they're both dealing with the ramifications of, like, what happened. But it, it feels like I can understand her being willing to throw away her life back home to be able to stay here and even be, like, a passive observer of the children that she killed because she got greedy. Um, I don't know. Like, I I, I was... I was fine with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In general, I think the multidimensional stuff is okay. What I don't like is the way the film. The film seems to have an idea of what flipping to an alternate dimension means, which is very clean, almost like back to the future, alternate timeline, simple, (laughs) like simple to understand. And then there are worms. And an arm, <laughs> an arm getting pulled off, and just crawling and sending messages well, to so, Chris so, O'Dowd. <laughs>
1: okay, so the messages to Chris O'Dowd, I have no explanation for that. No explanation for how the arm can even continue to live well after being severed. The arm suddenly being sucked into the wall, I did like because it's established that like this woman just sort of warped herself into the thing, and and what we see is. Okay, connecting it to another film that is better. Uh, In the film Looper, right, there is this thing established where, like, the universe almost has a memory of what it exists as. And when you change something in the past, there are, like, these ripples that sort of travel through time and affect the current uh, state of where you are. So, like, if you cut somebody's arm and you write something, a scar will start to form on your arm. So we see scenes where like the, the pieces of the foosball table change, um, change color, right? So like the players become different players and Mm -hmm. certain things around the spaceship suddenly like ripple and change as like the blah, blah, quantum entanglement, something or other, like as the universe tries to reconcile itself in which, uh, position it's supposed to be in which timeline things change throughout the world. Right. So like, I was 100% fine with, like, suddenly his arm phasing into the wall as if, like, he was supposed to be a few feet over or something. Mm. Like, that. there there was some aspect to that that I was like, I see what you're doing here. I kind of like this. This is kind of legit. Even when the arm just gone, still fine. Because if you think of, like, portals that close and, like, your arm is, like, part part in and part out. See,
0: I, I feel like and Carson, our one <laughs> listener, is going to be <laughs> so annoyed that we're getting in this much depth. He's going to be really good
1: when we get to our documentary episode.
0: But I feel like this film can't decide if alternate dimensions are simple binary things or weird nebulous fields of probability. The way they return from the alternate dimension would suggest we've snapped our fingers and zapped and now we're here. And if we snap and zap back, if we get like, you know, enough gigawatts to return home. It's quantum entanglement, brah. Yeah, I actually studied quantum entanglement (laughs) That's not what it means. <laughs> Boom! I'm pretty sure
1: the ship exists in a superposition <laughs> of both in the other dimension and in the original dimension. I mean, duh. Y- sure, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's in a probability. I mean, I mean, field.
1: Basically the film is operating on Looney Tunes logic. Yeah. Where if you hit somebody over the head with a mallet, they get amnesia. If mm-hmm. you hit them over the head with a mallet again, they get their memories back. Yep. I mean, is it really that hard to follow Steven? <laughs>
0: No, I get, I get it. That is why, though, w- one of my favorite lines was uh, when Daniel Brühl says, like, well, what I know about quantum entanglement tells me it would bring us back if we did it a second time. Quantum entanglement is about, like, if two particles were both in a state and collided, then now they're entangled together. And, like, if you looked at one, you'd know what the other one did. Anyway, that's completely completely different from the idea of, like, zapping a thing and being back in a new Yeah, so if you look universe. at
1: the arm of Chris O'Dowd. You would know what the other half of the arm is doing.
0: And you agree Just, that the arm having a message to send is bizarre.
1: Oh, yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah. It's, I mean, the arm still being alive is bizarre. Mm. So the assumption is that that arm came from another dimension where the individual cells of a body are sentient.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and, and it switched places So So here's another,
0: here's another question. <clears throat> what is it about the Russian guy that made both the worms and the gyroscope zap inside his body?
1: So first of all... That Russian guy was a fit guy, right? I could maybe hold (laughs) that gyroscope inside of me without you (laughs) noticing. The Russian guy, it would have been like they Mary Poppins bagged (laughs) his stomach to pull that gyroscope out of it. (laughs) Also, here's my problem with the gyroscope. Besides what I already stated about gyroscopes aren't the thing that allow you to tell which stars are which.
0: Really, they only measure angular momentum, not absolute <laughs> rotation. But anyways,
1: the thing with the gyroscope is, okay, cool, fucking large hadron collider is colliding large hadrons.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Higgs bosons are just going all over the place.
1: Um, so that shit's like making its beam. It overloads, warps them wherever, The gyroscope gets warped out. Fine. Here's the thing. You're trying to connect these Cloverfield movies. We all know that at the end of Cloverfield, when you're playing the footage of them on the Ferris wheel, girl says, today was a good day. In the background, something falls into the water. We've always said it's a satellite.
0: All of us who talk about it all the time.
1: (laughs) It could have been the fucking gyroscope. (laughs) Could have been the gyroscope that fell into the water. Gyroscope with worm jizz on it. (laughs) That leads to the first original Cloverfield monster. Right? Simple. Yeah. But no. Warp it inside of the Russian guy's body. Warp all the worms inside his body. Give some freaky eye twitching shit. And then have him explode like makeshift thing style. (laughs)
0: Everything about the Russian character, to me, exemplified the worst parts of this movie. Yeah. Like the drama between him and Daniel Bruhl before all this goes down is like they've been together for two years. And at this moment, because the camera is introducing us to them, he gets in a shouting match that becomes a punching match, accusing each other, being spies and crazy stuff. I mean,
1: you you heard that Russia was going to invade Germany Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) or whatever was going to go down there. Um, um <laughs> the worm stuff to me, that was just such like easy low hanging fruit tropes of psychological thriller, well, sci-fi type movies. Like that's the scarab beetles and the mummy. So, so that's here, the alien and alien.
1: <laughs> here's the thing though, about the worms. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if we go back to the first shots of this movie, those are like eels. Giant, giant, giant worm creatures. Mm. in these large tanks and they become like little itty bitty like the worms that
0: come out when it rains <laughs> and that's where the movie lost me <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no i just mean that like like what i assumed is like shit they warped out and all the worms warped into space and they've fallen to all the planets and now like all the planets in the solar system are cloverfield planets mm-hmm. or whatever right like <laughs> i don't know what they're gonna do yeah. my brain's Firing on all cylinders, harder than the writing team was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just—it it was one of those things where I was like, "Why?" I, I just—I eh. mean, I get it, but I don't get it.
0: Can we get to another a mini rant I have that has nothing to do with the sci-fi of this film? <laughs> sure. Every movie that has a person texting decides, no matter what the gravity of the situation, people who text will use abbreviations like "you are" to be "your." And in this case, <laughs> this Michael guy is driving and he has like, he has just rescued this child and he texts his friend and he says, can I use her shelter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Stephen, I know you're a responsible person and would never text and drive. But when you're driving, you gots to have shorthand. <laughs> you wouldn't want to get in an accident. Have you seen that commercial they play at the movie theater with the kid? the ghost child in the back of the car who's like don't worry i'm not here and he's like what i'm there and then the kid runs in front of the car and then boom gone. i haven't
0: no i've never seen that i've been too busy texting during the movie (laughs) (laughs) anyway mine is for that my my main point is that this michael character it seems like Everything about him was shoehorned in just to make this a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, it isn't yeah. clear at all why anything he is going through relates to whatever's happening up on Shepard.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I assume in the original draft of the film, he also died in the battery pack fire of back when his wife put the Samsung batteries in their apartment. Yeah, yeah,
0: maybe. <laughs> and the other thing is, everything about him and his relationship with Hamilton, it seems like the movie's way of hammering home very obvious emotions in really extreme ways like when they get clearly transported to another galaxy or another dimension they can't find the earth she runs to the communicate with the earth thing that they already know (laughs) won't work and is staring at it like crossing her fingers like come on come on come on she's like like a nasa scientist like she knows that won't work (laughs) I don't know. I'm judging her grief she's, way too hard. She's no Mad Damon. No, she's no Matt Damon. <laughs> um, the script to me is just odd too. Like the way characters react to the unknown woman being in the wall. Their big shock comes when she knows their name, not like the presence of an unknown woman in their wall. All of a sudden, it's they're just weird moments in the film where it feels like it's trying to highlight that a thing is weird and characters are discovering that something is amiss like roughly 10 minutes after they should have already known something was amiss that just feels like kind of lazy writing well I mean
1: I, I think if I can try to stretch for the film I would say that like they're starting to have an understanding that they may have moved possibly parallelly into another dimension so like it's less freaky that a person who they don't know is here and more freaky that that person knows them because, like...
0: To me, it's freakier that a person they don't know is there because is that, like, an alien thing? I'm going to have to shoot them.
1: Well, so so first of all, like, for the most part, I think characters in this film make intelligent decisions. It's not like most movies are like, I know that guy's being attacked by a velociraptor, but I'm going to open this door. Mm. <laughs> right? It's not like that. But the one thing that I would be like, no! Like, that doesn't sound like a woman screaming... That was like little baby Cloverfield monsters screaming, yeah. right? If I was on a ship that just had eels that are now all gone, and then now there's this horrific, shrill screaming coming from the walls, I'd be like, no.
0: Suicide <laughs> <Hell fact>. no. <laughs> yeah,
1: suicide <laughs> I'd be like, where are those escape pods? I'm going to launch myself directly into the sun <laughs> because I'm getting the fuck out of here. I do not want to die from weird space eels mm. that got like magically powered by a large Hadron collider. I agree. <laughs> I do also like that one that one scene where one of the characters is like, why do you think we put this thing up in space? Because we couldn't do it down on the planet. <laughs> uh, good times. It, good times, yes. <laughs> do, do you have any last things to say about this film?
0: No, it... It's just a cheesy movie. (laughs) So good. (laughs) That's all there is to it. It's a very cheesy movie that is having fun with how cheesy it is, but it is not hard sci-fi. It has like a few hard sci-fi concepts. I think the multiverse ethical ramifications are interesting and one could come up with very interesting thoughts about what you owe these people to what degree ought they care about the plight of this woman and her planet. Are they being selfish by stopping her? Should we be rooting for them for stopping her? That's all kind of interesting, but, like, the other 95% of the movie is is just silly popcorn flick fluff, and it's fine. It's fine.
1: Yeah. Well, I agree. So uh, should we warp ourselves on out of here and go t- t- start talking about some documentaries? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in a little bit.